Sleeper Nation, it's your boy Nata here. Girthy, phenomenal. <laughs> I would have to agree. Nah, it's just me, your old buddy Sheehan. Nata's not with me tonight, but filling in for him is superstar producer, host of Dynasty Wire, an all-around excellent human being. It's Nick, a.k.a. Iowa. How you doing, man? Hey, Sheehan. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a, a pleasure. When uh, Nata told me uh, a couple of hours ago that he wasn't going to be able to do the podcast, <laughs> uh, you came to my aid and I couldn't be happier it's like i was commissioner gordon shining the bat symbol and uh, the entire bat family showed up <laughs> uh yep here for you if you need me <laughs> excellent well it's nice to have you on uh, on the mic instead of behind the glass as it were it sort of feels a bit like the episode of frasier where Roz gets her own show <laughs> i'm sure that all the good people who listen to this podcast certainly listen to dynasty wire and if you don't listen to dynasty wire you are missing out on what i would consider to be the best fantasy football podcast on the market at the moment not just excellent information but uh, but genuinely funny and certainly well produced as well so do yourself a favor if you aren't listening to that thanks man that's uh, too kind but for now it's just the two of us and we are going to talk about this week the lessons we've learned this season and with so many people with a win and in even scenarios we'll be telling you all about who you can put in your lineup and put your house on them to deliver that does of course mean we're not going to have the return of justifiable overreactions we're not going to have two minute drill but we are going to try and hit every game this week i'm very tired from having recorded another podcast last night so we are going to try and do an excellent show for you this week but before we get into that show don't forget follow us on twitter at sleepawire show chuck a few bucks on patreon at patreon.com slash sleepawire so you never miss any of the articles podcasts and live shows from our awesome team including nick and claire over at dynasty wire me if you're not sick of my voice at the great debate and all our awesome writers as well well Let's get into it with some of the lessons we've learned this year. I know fantasy football and football in general teaches me lessons week on week. But what have you learned this week, or in fact this year? This week I learned that if you had a 26-year-old running back, then uh, you probably don't next week. (laughs) As far as for a whole season, if there's anything I've really taken away from it, I was curious to see basically if it holds up or not, whether I should be taking so many RBs initially and then patching wide receiver together, or if maybe zero RB is the best strategy, and then trying to strike gold on late RBs. Turns out, as long as you draft players who don't get hurt, that's what's best. Yeah, I think a lot more of fantasy football is luck than people who are good at the game want to admit. And certainly the more you play it, the better you get, the luckier you get. But sometimes the cards just don't fall in your favor. And I think this has been one of those seasons, maybe more than any other I can remember. Yep. You uh, posed this question to me earlier today, and I went digging into points per game averages for running backs and wide receivers to kind of see if this had played out how I thought it would play out. Turns out that of the top 36 running backs and wide receivers drafted for ADP for redraft, according to Fantasy Pros, who aggregate ADP from seven other services, turns out that 33% of the top 36 RBs have yet to miss a game. So two-thirds of the RBs drafted as far as the top 36 running backs drafted have been injured. Wide receivers, 50%. 
it's a darn shame that the elite running backs in our game don't get paid danger money because uh, those injuries are piling up more and more. And I think we sort of had four or five years ago kind of the age of the rookie running back. And we are now seeing those guys who've been kind of the fantasy football favorites for a couple of seasons. You know, it's a bit like going to visit your grandparents and, you know, the spark's kind of gone because, you know, but it, it is a bit like watching that, watching your parents get older, those sorts of feelings where it's, I remember you one way and you are now not that anymore. And it's sad to see these young men who are essentially coming into the prime of their life if they haven't already reached it, succumbing to injury. But that's the brutal nature of this game that we love. Yep, absolutely. The injury narrative is often what guides whether you're zero RB or not zero RB is that RBs are a more fragile position. And, you know, looking back on this year, it kind of seems like that given the last stat, five of the RBs drafted and the top 36 running backs taken in redraft are done for the season. Yeah. When you go to wide receivers, it's only two of them so far. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a really tough break. It's a tough gig. So armed with that information that injuries are unavoidable, what are we doing to combat that next year? Well, I think basically what it is is you just you take a player and then you pray. <laughs> <laughs> Five of the running backs picked in the top twelve have yet to miss a game, and six of the the top twelve wide receivers have yet to miss a game. So. Any way you slice it, you've got pretty close to a 50% chance of whether this guy's going to end up missing games for you and then hopefully not ending the season. Yep. Like Henry, who currently leads all running backs in average points per game. <laughs> I thought you were uh, referring to your co-host there for a moment. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> Injured podcaster Henry Sinclair. <laughs> yeah, also an all-star, different sport. <laughs> it's been a tough gig, and we saw uh, not just Cook, not just McCaffrey, but DeAndre Swift go down this weekend. And that's obviously very disappointing. We're talking about these injuries. I wonder if this is something I might explore over the offseason. We've heard zero RB, early RB, all of those. I'm going to propose a strategy that I'm going to term here and now the RB club sandwich. <laughs> and that is where you go for non-RB early, then a bunch of RBs, and then a couple of non-RBs, then a bunch more RBs, and finish off with non-RBs. And I'm going to test that out in redraft. They're giving you the three bits of bread within the RB club sandwich approach. You can build around wide receivers. We're both dynasty guys. I know that I do the redraft pod, but you build around wide receivers. You can do that in redraft as well because running backs are eminently replaceable. But we've seen this year that early lottery tickets are better than premium prices. So that kind of scattergun approach in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, uh, maybe even seventh round, is going to net you probably similar value as going three early running backs and then, as you say, praying they stay healthy. Yep, kind of in line with what you were saying there. I looked at what the number 12 RB, number 24 RB, and number 36 RB, and then the same for wide receivers, what their average points per game were to try to figure, you know, was it smarter to keep stacking running backs after the first 12 are gone? Or was it smarter to take an early wide receiver and wait on the other ones? Or And what I came to find was that the number 12 RB is currently averaging 16.4 points per game. The number 12 wide receiver is 16 point nine so pretty close yep the number 24 rb 12 and a half points per game the number 24 wide receiver 14 and a half points per game a couple points more for wide receivers the number 36 rb 10.7 points per game number 36 wide receiver 12 and a half points per game the same as the number 24 rb what i drew from this is that 
it would be better for you to take one of the top 12 RBs and a wide receiver two than it would be to take one of the best wide receivers and an RB two. Having an extra couple points per week on your roster because the gap between a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two is more narrow than the gap between an RB1 and an RB2. Yeah, even, you know, I can't see the data plotted in front of me, but it reads to me like there's sort of a linear regression with wide receivers where it's sort of a sharp drop off for running backs and then it plateaus quite quickly, which I guess goes to show that if you are going to do that strategy, you need to be plugged in because essentially you are playing the matchups each week and you need to look at those advanced metrics, if you like, and look at who's getting red zone opportunities, who's getting work on passing downs, those sorts of things rather than just raw points. And that sort of dovetails nicely. Well, actually, I'm not going to go for the smooth segue, which would have dovetailed into my point, is I'm going to put an addendum to the RB club sandwich approach. And that is any good club sandwich comes with a little toothpick in it. And maybe that premium RB is the little olive sitting on top of the toothpick of the RB club sandwich approach. Absolutely. Because if you happen to be the one that picked JT or got Najee Harris as the 11th ADP RB or even Gibson now, who's I mean, he's only the 21st in average points per game, but was selected as the 12th RB off the board in redraft. If you just happen to get one of these guys that didn't get hurt or hasn't been hurt or even like Mixon as one of the RB2s, you need one of these guys on your roster to feel confident going into the playoffs. That's exactly it. It's who do you trust? Some players look better on your roster than others. Sometimes you just want that pure production. But your roster is going to feel better with you starting a brand name than it is, you know, let's throw out Alexander Madison, for example. You're going to feel more confident with um, Mixon than Madison, despite the fact they are equally as good on a per-game basis almost. Yep, as far as what we would see going forward with Dalvin Cook going down. For sure. Actually, here's a side note. I just realized I wasn't recording uh, on StreamYard here, so I'll get that going now. Hang on. I've got to free up a bit more space here. So just, if you just bear with me a sec. Sure. Let me delete some stuff. Past. Wedding photos. Delete. 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 (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cool. Where were we? You said, you know, every uh, sandwich needs a toothpick, and that toothpick can be a uh, consistent RB you can lead on going into the playoffs. That's a very good metaphor, because the toothpick holds up the sandwich. That's just a fun nugget for us. That won't make the final recording. (laughs) So here was my ultimate smooth segue that I could have made from one to the other. And we're talking about following a process in what you're doing, having a strategy and following that through. So this is one of the things that I've really learned this season, and it's added to my enjoyment And that is have a strategy, have a plan. I've called it be a selector. And that dates back to my days playing cricket and having to select a team where you sit down in a room with a bunch of other people and you argue the case for every single player in your team. It's the same thing they do in Canton for the Hall of Fame. You make your case. If you do that each week with your fantasy team, whether you win or lose, you have an argument there that you have thought through. You can justify your selections. We all look at those weeks and go, why the hell did I start Alvin Kamara this week? He only got me four points when if I'd started 
I don't know, some ridiculous running back that you would now... Hilliard. Hilliard, <laughs> exactly. Dontrell Hilliard this week. If you'd started him over um, DeAndre Swift, because Hilliard got X points and Swift got injured, mm-hmm. that's not a decision you're ever going to make. Mm-mm. Because you've sat down and you've looked at the matchups, you've looked at the points. You go, I'm comfortable with this decision. If it backfires, so be it. You can't beat yourself up for making, well, let's say making the wrong decisions that you would never make. And that is something we come across doing the blitz on a Sunday as people go, this player or this player. And sometimes you give them an explanation. They go, it was wrong. Well, here's your logic. And we get people coming in sometimes going, do I start X new hotness or established star? And, you know, we go back and forth. And we say established star, you're not going to not start Jonathan Taylor against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers instead of Michael Carter against the Jaguars. It's just not a decision you're going to make. So having that process, justifying your decisions to yourself makes the game more enjoyable. And it means you're not getting caught out with players who are the, oh, I didn't know he was having a good season or why isn't Odell having a good season? You're not, you're picking on game versus name. And it does mean you might have to spend a little bit more time with your team, being a bit more mindful with your team. But this is a hobby and you should be mindful while you're doing it as far as I'm concerned. Part of what makes this so interesting is that you have to ask these questions because there isn't just a golden rule book that, hold on, let me crack this open and I'll give you the magic answers. Or like, let me rub my crystal ball like I'm a prophet. And I'm going to be able to tell you who is going to be able to, you know, outscore whoever. But what you can do is you can, you know, assess the information as a whole or individually, break it down and make a decision that you have the greatest confidence in. But no matter what you decide or what advice you give, especially in like a start-sit scenario, it's... It's like a lose-lose giving start-sit advice to an extent. Yeah. If you're right, there's not like a thankfulness. And even if you are right, it was a percent chance that you would be correct. It's not like you peeked into the future and let someone know what was going to happen. The best you can do is just try to set the table with the information that you know and try to make the best decision that you can. That's exactly it. And sometimes those decisions aren't a player versus player decision. It's, I need a win. How do I swing from the fences and win? And it's a discussion of starting, let's say, Henry Ruggs versus Hunter Renfro, if we're talking earlier in the season. Do you want that floor or do you want that ceiling? It comes down to, can you live with that bust week? And if the bust does happen, you know, you can't beat yourself up because you've made that decision. It's an informed decision. You've gone, I need to swing hard. I need to swing the fences. I need points here. As I say, it just makes the game more interesting. It's being mindful in what you're doing. It's having a process. And yeah, fantasy football is a harsh mistress. But if you're thinking about what you're doing, then I I, I think it is far more enjoyable. Yep. The more you know, the more you can stack the odds in your favor. Does it mean you can stack them to 100%? No, but would you rather scratch a lottery ticket that has a 20% chance of winning or a 10% chance of winning? If you can at least push the odds up, you know, that's what you're going for. Exactly. Now, do you have another lesson for us or, in fact, for the good people out there? If I were to go back to as far as the redraft mocks and whatnot that I participate in, because, you know, like you said there, I'm a dynasty guy. So the the redraft is... uh, few and far between, but something, you know, we've always harped in previous mocks and, you know, in conversations and whatnot to fade tight end, that it's either the elite ones or you don't take the middle ones. The middle ones are constantly overdrafted and whatnot. In the redraft leagues, 
if you're taking like tight ends in the middle rounds or you're taking guys that I hope they can break out in a few weeks. In redraft specifically, I want to know week one. If it doesn't happen week one, I'm going to be able to cut them. Yeah. So I want to focus on the guys that I will know after week one whether I want to keep them or not. I don't want to be drafting guys where after three weeks, I'll be able to know whether I should keep this guy. And you've missed out on three weeks of picking up players by absorbing that roster spot on a hope. Yeah. So so if I were to look back as far as uh, redraft mocks, what was I doing wrong where, you know, I could potentially do better in the future is focus on week one, week two as am I going to know whether I want to keep this guy on my roster after these weeks or not and help that decide who I want to select in the middle to later rounds of my drafts. Yeah, Natter and I were big on this during the offseason. It's you either get the elite guys and even we've seen Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, who was supposedly going to be in that category. Let people down it really has been Kelsey and Mandrews has been pretty good as well this year you know Gasecki had his good weeks Pitts has had hot and cold weeks but we were so strong that you either get the absolute cream uh, the olive on top of the club sandwich or you just wait you let other people take those mid-round tight ends and you pick up the scraps at the end there is enough startable tight ends in a 12-team league well I say startable that you can plug into your roster with some logic and go I think this guy is going to have a good rightly or wrongly you can look at those matchups you can look at past production you can look at an offense and go this is a this is a player that i think i can run for this week and as you say you're looking at those first two weeks they all count the same in terms of wins so if you want to get off to a hot start so be it a lot of my teams have performed better as the year has gone along and a lot of that is that i like those younger guys where you don't necessarily know week one two or three whether they're going to break out i like the the guys where, you know, you stash them and you hope. And as the season progresses, as players go down and as younger players gain experience, you know, that's when the younger teams start to rise. And the teams with older players like, you know, Derrick Henry and whatnot, they start to fall at those points. Yep. And I assume you knew what a, a fan of Elijah Moore I was going into the season. And mm-hmm. it, it's been a joy to watch him blossom over the last couple of weeks. But by the same token, it's been odd watching uh, old knucklehead Kadarius Tony, who started the season hot. He started like a German band, a bit like me in a couple of leagues, but is finishing like a German army. Yep. And honestly, you made that call several weeks back. Uh, I was listening as going through him, editing or whatever. You said, you know, this is your last chance to get an elite wide receiver off of the waivers. And it was absolutely correct. That was your last chance to get one of the younger guys to sitting on waivers, just like two years ago when it was Justin Jefferson or, you know, last year or whatever, uh, when it was yep. Justin Jefferson, he was on the waivers. And, you know, after a few weeks, it was like, this is your last chance to get one of those guys. And it, it turned out just like you said there, uh, you know, as far as like dynasty, I liked Elijah Moore, but I liked him in the same tier as like Terrace Marshall. Yep. And that hasn't turned out so great. Yep. Yep. But we also saw last year, Michael Pittman was a bust and now look at him this year. He's been a, an absolute breakout player as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to it a little bit later in the show here. LaVisca Chenault was a bust last year, but he might be turning a page here in the near future. He's a bust this year. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. He's one of you guys' favorite ones to hate on. <laughs> yeah, Nada, Nada hates him. I'm sort of ambivalent, but Nada hates him. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's a shame. Not that I don't love having you on the show tonight, but I was going to get stuck into about Antonio Gibson, who cost me in a Monday Night Miracle. Anyway, I'll leave that be for now. <laughs> I've got one more lesson, but before we, we roll into the next segment, do you have another one before I uh, I put a bow on this one? Uh, that's what I got for you. Excellent. Well, my last one is just don't spread yourself too thin. I'm in way too many leagues this year, and I'm not enjoying it. Mm. Fantasy football should be about fun, and there have been weeks where on a Tuesday night it feels like a chore. On a Thursday night, setting my lineup feels like a chore. I've forgotten players in my lineup, not realized that I've got Alvin Kamara starting when he's not even playing, things like that, and I don't like being in those positions. So for me, it's a case of I think i got to prune a couple of my leagues. You know, I still want to kick around in the Scott Fishbowl and a couple of the other charity ones that I'm in, but I won't be joining any redraft leagues this year, I don't think. I got to that point previous years just joining too many leagues in total and just decided that I enjoyed the dynasty ones the most. So I basically cut out redraft altogether this year. I have my one longest league that's been going on for over a decade with a lot of people from the hometown. And that one is a keeper league. So it's like a glorified redraft midway between dynasty league. But that's it, man. Everything's dynasty now. Yeah. Keeper leagues are like why when it comes to the vowels, just be a consonant or a vowel. Don't be both. <laughs> like if you're playing keeper leagues, you'll love dynasty. Mm-hmm. If you don't like keeper league stick to redraft there's there's none of this hybrid Mm -hmm. hybrid nonsense as far as i'm concerned right well keeper leagues are a gateway drug (laughs) to dynasty i've never never actually been in a keeper league i jumped straight into to dynasty i was uh, mainlining heroin straight from the (laughs) drinking water on a night out Uh, and i have zero regrets so um so that's good well before we get into one of our famous segments i'm going to leave you with a bit of wisdom my own here and this is, again, another Frasier reference. And this is, I won't quote it directly because I've forgotten it as I've come to quote it. And I think it's along the lines of a wise man learns from his mistakes, but only an idiot doesn't learn from the mistakes of other people. So hopefully you can learn from our mistakes and couple that with some of the things you've learned and we'll all be better off next year. And it's important to remember these things, write them down because you're going to be in the same position this time next year and how the hell did it happen? And with those words of wisdom, I'm going to throw to Nick's Iowise Iowa words of Iowa wisdom. <laughs> well, I owe a big thank you for having me on here to uh, fill Natter's shoes for the wise words of wisdom to, you know, channel my inner Natter for you. I have this. When life gives you lemons, be thankful because fruit is expensive. <laughs> That's a really good Natter. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, on a more serious notes, Iowa words of wisdom, the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing, which is a quote from Socrates. And that plays into basically much of what you have just said there, knowing that everything's a percent chance, not a certainty, and playing the cards that way. Yep. The sooner that we all realize that fantasy football, we can do all the research you want. It, it's the Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And fantasy football is a game of getting punched every week. But we love it because it's a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> I uh, I saw it described fantasy football earlier today as Dungeons and Dragons for jocks. And I'm not sure if I agree, but I don't think it's far wrong either. Seems legit. I think you're right. Well, this segment is going to be called All In It to Win It. And this is the season of in and win games, both in the NFL, both in your fantasy playoffs. It is week 13. For most leagues, playoffs will start week 15. Some of them are starting week 14, depending on the size of your league. Some of them, heaven forbid, are starting week 16, in which case find a better league. Hmm. 
But that being said, this is a week where you need to make these right choices. And after we've just done nothing but deride our own wisdom and skill at actually doing this game, we are going to tell you 100% ironclad that if you need an in and win situation this week, one player in every game that A, you should either absolutely smash start, put your house on, or I'd say avoid like the plague, but given we're currently living in a plague and a lot of people aren't avoiding it, let's say (laughs) avoiding it like Thanksgiving leftovers on what is now the third night of Hanukkah. Mm, I was going to say like your (laughs) in-laws. Yeah, well, it makes it a lot easier when they're an ocean away. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, too far. Yeah, I don't live in fear of the poppin'. It's like a George Costanza wet dream. First cab off the rank, Thursday Night Football. We don't normally talk TNF here, but I want to be on the record with anything that we say here. Could be used in evidence after the fact to say that we were correct. Who do you like or who do you not like in this game? I am unsure exactly how the Saints are going to go down. Is Kamara going to play? Is he going to receive a full complement of snaps? Is it going to be Taysom? Is it going to be Simeon? I'm not sure I want much of anything to do with the Saints because there's not much that I can say say with certainty that I know what's going to happen there. On the other side of football, we did see that Zeke got dinked up and Pollard has been playable even with Zeke healthy. So if Zeke is even somewhat limited, I know he was still taking reps like he was going to play as far as earlier in the week, but I'm all in on flexing Pollard. This is a weird week because COVID is running through Dallas like nobody since Debbie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there are going to be last minute, uh, late players who aren't going to play or anything like that. So I love your Pollard pick. I'm going to stay locked and loaded with, with Pollard. I will say my boy Michael Gallup obviously smash start him. But Tony Pollard, I'm prepared to rubber stamp as our ironclad rolled gold, all in it to win it, player of Thursday night football. Yep. Saints will do their uh, best Debbie impersonation. But <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine the Cowboys will have a good chance there. I think so too. And in fact, a little look ahead to prognostications i have a prognostication based on thursday night football right next up tampa bay buccaneers at atlanta falcons in what should be an absolute corker game of the year all of that sort of nonsense what are you putting your house on here buccaneers and falcons fournette coming off his four touchdown game you know earning the first four letters of his last name (laughs) the bucks are notoriously strong against the run weak against the pass i'm curious to see if patterson does well though a lot of his work comes in the receiving game there still waiting on Ridley so maybe Gage and Pitts probably someone in that passing game is going to do well there though I'm not sure I have a uh, gold stamp to place on any of them there the Falcons being as weak as they are against the pass I think the one thing that I can say with confidence is I'm not sure which wide receiver it's going to be but there's a good chance that Brady has a good game yep I am saying the all-in player for this game is Rob Gronkowski who looked back to I mean, he's a long way past his best, but he is still one of the best tight ends in the game at the moment and one of the best to ever play. And I am backing him this week. He last week had his 30th career 100-yard game, and there's only one name who has 31 more than him. Do you want to take a guess at who that might be? Uh, No. Tony Gonzalez. Oh, there you go, a Falcon. So I'm going to say that my... All in, absolute, you need to start a player this week is Rob Gronkowski equals Tony Gonzalez's record for 100-yard games against his old team, and you can take that to the bank. I like it. Arizona Cardinals at Chicago Bears, another ring-a-ding-ding contest. I'm out on this whole game. It's going to be in Chicago. It's cold. It's windy. 
Kyler and Hopkins are coming back off of injury, hopefully, if the cryptic Thanos gif is anything <laughs> as far as he placed on uh, Twitter there. I'm not really interested in confidently touting anyone from this game. This one, I'm I'm of the same mind in that you're going to start your studs in this game anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start James Conner, you're going to start Hopkins, you're going to start Murray. You're probably not going to start Kirk. You're probably, well, you shouldn't be starting Rondell Moore because he's been shit apart from the first two weeks of the season. You might start Zach Ertz, who is just ridiculously fast. Now he's wearing red. <laughs> so that leaves for me, because you're probably starting Darnell Mooney here as well. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty good, particularly if it's Dalton under center, it's Darnell Mooney. Yep. David Montgomery is the big question mark in this game. And we need a definitive answer here. This is not a not a game of black or white. Are you all in or all out on David Montgomery this week? Let's see. Is it going to be Fields? Is it going to be Dalton? Cards defense, pretty good. It is at home. I suppose I'm all in as far as a flex running back would be. I'm all out, but it's going to be hard to look at him on your bench. Yep. I think this could be a game that gets ugly very quickly and... The Bears just turn the ball over. The Cardinals lead him on a merry dance. They can't get it. The Bears can't get anything going in the running game. Montgomery ends up with like 11 carries for 30 yards and a fumble or something like that. All out on David Montgomery. Now, an actual good game. Our next game this week, the 6-5 and five LA Chargers travel to Cincinnati to play the 7-4 and four Bengals. What do you reckon? I'm all in on both running backs for the Bengals and the Chargers. It's the position that each of the defenses give up the most to. Loving what I'm seeing from Mixon and Eckler, both of them on the list of RBs that have been able to stay healthy, at least for the most part. I'm rolling out both RBs uh, for either team with confidence. Excellent. Now, Jamar Chase, I can see on my little fact sheet here, can become the third Cincinnati rookie ever with 1,000 receiving yards in their rookie season. He has 906 yards and eight receiving touchdowns at the moment. Who are the other two who have done it for the Bengals? TJ Hushmanzada and Meta World Peace. (laughs) Uh, No, funnily enough, neither is AJ Green. Ron Artest fell just short. He was he was 980 <laughs> yards. Uh, missed games for for kicking people. And uh, Mister Mister Sunday Night Football himself, Chris Collinsworth. Ah, now here's a guy. I am all out on T Higgins. I do not think T Higgins is a particularly good football player. I think he is very good at t- getting contested catches. I think he is unable to separate, and that. I am not interested in playing him. I would much rather play Mike Williams, who, despite having been cold for most of the past four weeks, did seem to heat up last week. I am all in on Mike Williams. I'm all out on T. Higgins this week. Very nice. Back to the NFC North. Minnesota Vikings, five and six. A mate of mine who's not really a a football fan did ask me, who do I think could win the Super Bowl this year? And I said, I think the Minnesota Vikings could go all the way if they can get hot. They've been very good and somehow keep losing, and I'm not really sure how that happens. Well, losing Cook definitely won't help. No, absolutely not. So, as you say, Cook's out. Safe to say you're all in on Madison this week against the Lions. That was the one note I had for this game. We said it over a month ago on Dynasty Wire. If there's someone who isn't worth a whole lot right now when Cook was healthy, who you could purchase who might potentially be a league winner, it's Madison. Every time Cook is out, at least the vast majority of the times when Cook is out, Madison has been snapping. Now, I do like Ken A and Wong Yu <laughs> out of Iowa State. An extremely explosive player, but has been basically just special teams. Now, Amir Abdullah did go to the Panthers. So 
it's not going to be Amir Abdullah and Madison splitting the backfield. So it's either Kenny and Madison, or it's just Madison. And I'm banking on Madison, and you can give that one the gold stamp. I like it. I'm a, I've been impressed with Kenny. He's looked electric when he's got the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a bit to like there. If we're talking backups here, how are you feeling about Jamal Williams? Are you all in or out, all out on him this week? I think you can do worse. I am not well-versed on whether Jamar Jefferson is going to play or not. No, I'm not sure either. Or the other gentleman whose name escapes me, who's Godwin Godwin, and uh, Mr. Godwin, I'm going to call him here. I feel a bit like Natter. Maybe it's a hosting thing. You can't pronounce people's names. <laughs> just just make up something close. It'll be funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, one of our other favorites is, of course, Josh Reynolds, and he's now playing for the Lions as well. So keep an eye on him. I'm not starting him. I am interested in both running backs in this game as well. And I think Williams is basically a high-end handcuff for Swift. He's had standalone value uh, some weeks, but I think I'd like him to get 100 scrimmage yards and a touchdown this week. So if you like the sound of that, all in on Jamal Williams. You're all in on Madison. I like it. Fair enough. Colts at Texans. Well, this divisional matchup, I think the Colts probably take the Texans out behind the shed. <laughs> and I think leading the charge would be JT there. Now, the Texans defense, not great. So there's a good chance that the Colts offense as a whole is going to do well. Now, whoever gets the touchdowns will be the uh, the one to tout for fantasy. If recent history, or at least this season, has showed us anything, it's going to be JT if there was, like, an easy one. Filling this out, looking at this, I wasn't sure whether it would be, like, you know, JT probably just has, like, the gold stamp for life at this point until it proves otherwise. But if I was to go a little bit more out on a limb, Cooks could do pretty well if the Colts are putting a lick on the the Texans it could be a whole lot of cooks from the second half on yep I'm all over Brandon Cooks have been a big fan of his all season and I will continue to start him T.Y. Hilton where are you at on the opposite side of a very very wide pit man (laughs) fair enough he has played four games in a row with Houston and cracked 70 yards so he has that going for him. Got his first touchdown of the season last week. I am not at all interested in T.Y. Hilton. It will feel like a good matchup for him. It will say it's a positive matchup for him, but you should not be playing him. Mm-hmm. The Houston killer. He's got that label. So if you like narratives, I can definitely understand it, but it's not something I want to put money on. I'm going to tell you what else I'm all out on this week, and that's Michael Pittman. I'm a big fan of Pittman. I really like him. I could see this being a game where he might get... They basically just don't need to use him. He will need a touchdown to salvage his day, but I also feel like if JT can't punch it in, this will be like a Mo Ali Cox, Jack Doyle game, maybe even Naheem Hines. I don't think Pittman's going to get shut down. I just don't think he's going to see a lot of the ball. As far as all out, I'm all out on any of the tight ends. I'm not going to play that three cylinder and just spin and hope I hit the right one. Yeah. I know it's been Jack Doyle recently, but it was Mo Alley Cox at the beginning of the season. And I think it's Kylan Granson starting no later than next year. Yeah. And then all other Texans other than Cooks. Somebody might have a good game there, but I'm not hanging my hat on any of them. <laughs> now, our next game is a game where it's full of guys you, I think, are very polarizing. So I think we could have, A, some opposite opinions and, and B, some interesting discussion here, unlike the rest of the podcast. <laughs> and that's the New York Giants at Miami Dolphins. Bearing in mind, Danny Dimes may not play this week as well. Let's, at this point, assume that he is playing. 
and I guess operate under the assumption that if he's not, we're all out on all Giants offense. He's got a problem with his neck. Yeah, I did see that today. He's not going to play. It's going to be Glennon. Oh, he so he's not playing at all. No. Speaking of people with problems with their necks. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, yes, uh, it looks like it's going to be Mike Glennon this week, and Daniel Jones is week to week. Uh, are you sure it's not going to? They're just not going to say it's Mike Glennon, and then when he get runs out to start, Mitchell Trubisky is going to come out and, and gazump him there yet again. I'm, I'm sure he, you know, has nightmares and sees him walking behind him on streets uh, in dark alleys at night. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. Well. Okay, we're assuming it's uh, the giraffe man then. Where does that leave you on the Giants' offense? Completely and totally out. I'm with you. I mean, if you're if you're in a league that rewards dropped passes, I mean, Evan Ingram would be a possibility. <laughs> Saquon Barkley is the big name here, obviously, as the mm-hmm. guy you were going to be umming and ahhing over whether you were starting him or not. He's on your roster. Are you starting him? <sighs> Like any of these questions, the easy cop out is to say, depends on what you have as an alternative. But with a lot of the studs going down, there's a good chance, as far as studs going down last week, there's a good chance you probably don't have someone better that you got to play. You're rolling them out there and you're crossing your fingers, but it's not something I want to like wear on a sign and stand outside of, you know, the New York Giants stadium screaming. I am interested in Barkley this week because I think he's going to get a lot of checkdowns, and that is the only reason that I'm interested in him. Other side, the Dolphins. Who do you like? Who do you not like here? Again, if you're in a league that rewards dropped passes, Jalen Rager. He, he plays for the Eagles. Oh, is that not who we are on? No, we're talking about the Dolphins. The the Eagles of the sea. Oh, shit. I'm looking at... Uh, sorry. I I, I I looked at week 12 matchups. That would have been last week. Uh... You, you're dead right if you're in a league that rewards dropped passes. 101 Evan Ingram, 101... <laughs> Uh, Jalen Rager. Not super excited about anybody other than Waddle, who just has been, uh, you know, lighting it up as of recently. There's a possibility he could finish the season strong, too, has been doing okay. Other than that, not super excited. Technically, if you were doing the every other week treatment for Gaskin, then last week would have been a bad week, but it was a good week. So this week should be a good week. So, you know, if that's a superstition that you believe in, pushing the gas down on Gaskin, but <laughs> not something I, I like to have a whole lot of confidence in. Not with Philip Lindsay in town. I am all in on tour this week, though. I think he has been shoving it to the haters. Second youngest player ever with 85% completion percentage in a single game. Fourth player ever with 80 80- plus completion percentage in consecutive games. Aims for fourth game in a row with 100-plus ratings. Has zero picks in three of four home stars this year. I think he lights it the F up, as far as I'm concerned, and is a QB1 this week. Well, that makes two of us. (laughs) Ah, that one got me. Right. Now, we are talking about the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Jets. What do you reckon? Hurts hurt a lot of people last week. Yeah, that's going to happen. But then again, you don't always get to face the Jets. So still big fan of Hurts. I understand, you know, he may have pissed off Devonta Smith. May have not had all his passes caught from Reger, as uh, hinted to earlier. But uh, I like him a lot. I do not have confidence in Sanders. He's someone I've been put on the block and trying to move for before he's been sucking value. Not someone I'm hanging a whole lot of confidence on for the remainder of this season. But Hurts 
if you throw out the two bad games, he's been super awesome. If you enjoy arbitrary cutoffs, but <laughs> I like him versus the Jets for sure. Yeah, I like him as well. He should bounce back. I have no interest in Sanders. I am interested in Smith. I think he has been an under-the-radar very good player this year, and I think Eagles fans should be very happy with that pick. Like it. You know, you get three shots in a row to pick a wide receiver in the first round. You got to hit eventually, right? Exactly. Now, on the other side, gangrene. Zach Wilson, basically the second worst pick of the year last year. I think Carson Wentz's left-handed pick six from a few weeks ago probably takes the cake slightly. But for those of you who will listen to the episode of Screen Pass that comes out in a couple of weeks, Rachel Green says, they were all just coming at me and I didn't know what to do. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that is Zach Wilson playing quarterback. It's hard to argue with it so far. You hope you see something uh, evolve eventually there, but shades of Sam Darnold. Yeah, and he's starting any Jets receiver here. Obviously, I'm a big Moore guy, but as far as I'm concerned, a line through New York without Michael Carter. I might be starting him, but not someone I'm hoping to start if I have someone with a better matchup. Similarly, I'm not choosing a Jet pretty much ever. Fair. Now, another ring-a-ding-ding fixture. I realize I've said that about four games, but I'm not updating my uh, my phraseology, so I hope you've been enjoying it. (laughs) And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the LA Rams. What do we reckon? Dan Arnold goes to IR. Yeah. Right. And Visca gets himself like, what was it? Eight or nine targets last week. Mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility. I know I've been wanting it to happen all season, but maybe this is the point where he gets enough looks, even if it's versus the Rams, that he could be okay. Not necessarily great. It's easy to put the gold stamp on cup. There's a good chance that he's going to blow up. If for by chance, Henderson doesn't play, who has like some kind of a leg injury. I think it was a thigh injury, and we'll have to monitor practice to see if he plays. If for some reason he doesn't play, Sony Michelle versus the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Fire that up. Sony isn't isn't a sexy name, but that's something I might be into. Yep, I'm with you there. If Henderson can't play, well, that's been the whole thing. Michelle's just been a high end handcuff all season, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. He sat on a lot of my rosters, collecting dust, waiting for this moment, basically because. Henderson is never going to play a full season. There's two names that hit jump out, and I'm going to come back to LaVisca Chanel. We are talking about you need a win to get into the playoffs here. Are you trusting LaVisca Chanel? The, the matchup is not bad. The scenario for opportunities is not bad. If I'm at a point where I'm questioning whether I want to start Visca or not, I'm probably playing Visca. So he gets the, the silver stamp of approval. What about Visca versus Marvin Jones? Well, Visca out-targeted him last week, led the team. So I would still be leaning to the side of Visca. And another name that people will be uh, kicking the tires on this week, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. In and win, are you starting Odell? So you see how Van Jefferson kind of snapped off for a little bit, Deshaun Jackson snapped off for a little bit, and then the next game, not much. And then, okay, they caught the long touchdown this game. Next game, not as much. If your best chance at getting a win where you're not favored and you need a big game and you need someone with a with a high ceiling, even if you're willing to risk the low floor, I think Odell Beckham is a consideration there. But if it's something where I've got someone who I'm a little more confident in consistently producing points, I'm probably going to favor them over OBJ. But OBJ does have that ceiling. You saw it last week. He can catch a long one at any point in a game. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's probably how they're going to use him rest of season, at least until he's integrated into that offense mm-hmm. as well. Now, James Robinson has been a superstar since being an undrafted free agent, has seven rushing touchdowns this season. 
and is joined by who as the only players in Jags history with seven-plus rushing touchdowns in each of their first two seasons. MJD? MJD. Now, I realise you didn't come on this show expecting a quiz, but because <laughs> of the little document I have in front of me here, it's got all sorts of fun facts. <laughs> well, if I don't know the answer, I'll just guess NBA basketball players. Yeah, that was, as you say, MJD basketball players. Nailed it. Now, there's a sort of irony here in this next matchup, and that is the Washington football team at the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is sort of the... In fact, I'm going to term it, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling Bruce Allen's bowl. Because we are now seeing Rich Basaccia coming up against Ron Rivera. And the Raiders just in all sorts in a Anus Horribilis for them. And we have got the Washington football team coming off a pretty good win against Seattle. And the, the, the aforementioned Raiders also have a good win on Thanksgiving. Who do you like here? Well, last night, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Last night, McKissick was carted off the field. I'm curious to see how bad that injury is. But if it does keep him out of the next game, then that's a lot of the short to intermediate passing game that's going to be up for grabs. And I think there's a possibility that Logan Thomas, who recently returned, fills that role. If there's one gold stamp, it's going to be Logan Thomas. Uh, I like Gibson a lot, too. Obviously, without McKissick there, there's a good chance Gibson snaps. He had, you know, his first game all season with over 30 touches last week. Uh, So as far as the Washington football team, uh, I like Heineke, but if I'm going to put my stamp of approval on anybody, it's going to be Gibson. And then if it's someone who's not an automatic starter anyways, it's going to be Logan Thomas for the Washington football team. Totally agree on Logan Thomas. Taylor Heineke or Derek Carr, in and win. That's a toughie, and I'm going to have to actually make that decision in the league. At this point, I am leaning Carr. Interesting. I'm saying Heineke. I like his upside, and this Raiders secondary is still decimated. Now, in and win situation, do you want Josh Jacobs in your lineup? Uh, There's a good chance I don't have a running back who's healthy, who I like more than him. I'm still rolling him out there. Washington football team is not a good defense. Yeah. And I might add that Foster Monroe, who snapped when Waller missed a game previously, Waller might miss this game. And if that's the case, a sneaky one, like a bronze stamp of approval, I could give to Foster Monroe. I could see him being, he's sort of, for me, the the archetypal in and win players you go you need two touchdowns from a tight end to be a point of difference that is the island of foster moreau mckissick probably won't play this week not an issue he's been an even numbered week performer (laughs) uh, for most of the season so nothing to worry about there but since 2020 start of last year leads all running backs with 123 receptions ranked second in receiving yards with 986 pretty good numbers uh, from a largely forgotten figure as far as i'm concerned Yep, I think he's vastly underrated. Those stats might not let you know that, you know, Gibson was missing time at the end of last year when this was occurring at the same time. But even with that being said, an elite pass catching back who lines up a ton at wide receiver, someone who a lot of people are like, oh, no, 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 no. I love Gibson. I can't even think about McKissick. Well, to me, Chef's McKissick. Mm, I'm a big McKissick guy as well. Give it to me. Yeah. Right. If you ask Claire, it's just dust McKissick. <laughs> like it well Baltimore Ravens at Pittsburgh Steelers I'm going to tee you up with this one Devonta Freeman can you trust him uh no cool I can live with that I mean you're starting Hollywood Brown you're starting Jackson you're starting Mandrews got no issues there and that leaves Deontay Johnson who I assume in and win you need to start Deontay Johnson I am not sure there's a scenario where you're benching him unless you're just super duper stacked and that leaves Chase Claypool I'm still rolling him out there just about every scenario 
scenario. Now, I'm probably playing Deontay over Claypool if some reason I have both of them there, but assuming that there aren't any reports that like he's going to be limited or something along those lines, I know he's been battling injuries off and on and whatnot, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to dive in the Claypool. Excellent. Claypool versus Beckham. Uh, I'd rather roll Claypool for sure. Works for me. There is uh, my one stamp of approval Yes. for the Steelers there. Uh, I don't want you to have a cow, but it's Pat Fryer Muth. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get It's Pat started with Pat's Fry, Pat Fryer Muth, but I don't think it is going to be Pat this week. I, I don't think It'll be it'll be a moo point if you like because uh, I don't think he <laughs> I don't think he'll be playing this week. I do like it. <laughs> He's gonna be uh, yeah fryer out. That's not anything. Um, <laughs> right. NFC West, Natter's beloved San Francisco 49ers at the 3-8 and eight and don't even have their first round pick, Seattle Seahawks. The big question this week, well, actually, it's not even the big question. He's not fucking playing. Debo Samuel's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, can you trust him in a win and in? I mean, you have to. He's been doing really well recently, and Debo, the running back, going down i think you know a lot of people might say okay boom this is going to be a huge boost for Ayuk. i think it's probably a relative scratch even for Ayuk, who has still been doing well so as far as even keel that's still good for Ayuk. i think it's the bigger boost for mitchell who ended up getting a ton of touches afterwards i don't know if hasty is necessarily going to be healthy but assuming it's basically just him and jeff wilson out there i like elijah mitchell a lot another question was Ayuk, which you know still like Ayuk too it's all right you can deviate into talking about whoever you like but for me uh need an in and win let's see if this works we'll go with I don't understand the reference. That was supposed to be home improvement. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they don't. They don't all land. <laughs> yeah, it was peeking over the fence, but I still didn't see it coming. Yeah, you'd already covered Wilson. Um, <laughs> Alex Collins has been nothing but disappointment, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I'm all out on Collins to the point of almost dropping him in some leagues for people that I see as having potential league-winning ceilings, as opposed to just annoying the shit out of me. Yeah, I uh, was up by one point in a league versus Alex Collins last night and Alex Collins put up 0.2 points. So <laughs> somehow won that league, but DJ Dallas up until like the end of the fourth quarter only had like four points and he doubled his point total there in the fourth quarter rolling out there as the pass catching back. So assuming that Penny is out again next week, you know, maybe DJ Dallas, if you're in a super deep league or you're super ultra desperate at running back, if you're looking at a lot of the guys that aren't necessarily super hyped, he's someone I could potentially play the music for DJ Dallas. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Metcalf has been slumping a lot recently, and Lockett is the only fan. <laughs> I was going to... Uh, Nada fucking loves that story. I know, right? <laughs> I don't know why I'm swearing so much. I think I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm tired, and I can't believe I t- didn't didn't bring up Jimmy Garoppolo with... Remember when he was going out with that porn star? Anyway, <laughs> would you bench either uh, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett at this point? I wouldn't be benching Metcalf, but maybe Lockett. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want them to blow up, I'm I'm sure it's a, a fail-safe method to get them to blow up is to bench them. So I can't imagine a scenario where you drafted a team and didn't necessarily execute a whole bunch of trades where you can afford to bench either one of them. You're hoping the ship writes itself and still rolling them out there at this point. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. This could be a get-right game. You can sort of tee off on the 49ers a little bit. 
There you go. Now, another divisional matchup here. We have the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you reckon? Chiefs are vulnerable to the tight end. Teddy B, you know, battling a shin injury. So if he's not healthy out there trying to play or doesn't play, then it's going to be really hard to trust any Broncos pass catcher, which not that it's been easy up until now. So uh, there's not a whole lot that I'm uh, willing to stamp this game. But if you force me to stamp one, I'd say the Chiefs being as vulnerable as they are to tight end specifically that Fant gets his on this day. Yeah. What about uh, Colton Sutton? I'm looking for someone else to play. It's better than rolling with somebody off the waivers. Yeah. Nick Westbrook Aquino. In fact, it's better than him because he's not even playing this week. There you go. Yep. I would play Sutton over people on bye. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the only qualifier. <laughs> Wise words of wisdom right here. Don't start players on bye weeks. <laughs> and we're sort of all in on everyone. I guess the only question is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I would think he's probably in your, your lineup. Probably. You're probably excited to finally have him back just for him to go on to bye. And then now you can, now you can play him, hopefully. But the Broncos isn't the best matchup in the world. Yep. It, it's something where you're not going to feel great about it, but you're probably rolling them out there anyway. Yep. And if Drew Locke doesn't play Chiefs defense, I'd be starting them. Ooh, yeah. Good call. And finally, we staying with division games, the game of the week, the Florio Arnott Bowl here, the eight and four division leading second place in the AFC. Bow down before your new God NFL fans, eight and four New England Patriots versus the, yeah, you had one good year. Now go back to jumping through tables, Buffalo Bills. Interesting introduction for these teams, <laughs> but I, I understand. Josh Allen, who has gotten his name back after a couple good performance, after losing his name and becoming Joshua Allen. <laughs> Allen Joshua. <laughs> yep, yep. He gets his name flipped and uh, borified. I looked at this game and I was struggling to find someone I really wanted to hang my hat on, but after last week, Zach Moss, a healthy scratch, unless there's something hidden there that's not being told to us. And Brita being he was Mostert before Mostert was cool as far as a fast, explosive, big play threat of a running back, which, you know, Singletary and Moss are not. If there's someone who might break off a, a good game who isn't someone you're probably are automatically starting anyway, like Diggs and Josh Allen and whatnot, I would give at least my silver stamp of approval to Matt Breida. Yep, I could see that happening. We saw Dontrell Hilliard and... Deontay Foreman largely gashed the Patriots, and Hilliard certainly with his speed can run away from. As good as that Patriots defense is, they are an old defense. There is not a lot of speed out there. Sons Adrian Phillips. So Breeder is exactly the sort of player who could light them up. Personally, I don't want a piece of any of the New England players, as per usual in fantasy. Big fan of Mac Jones, but um, that's not going to happen. Damian Harris and the Rhino, I think, are now splitting snaps. I think this would probably be a Harris game, but who's to say what's going to happen there so i am all out if you need an in and win situation Tredavious white should cover jacoby myers if he is fit myers excellent player but i don't think he's actually that much good for fantasy football if you need to start one of these patriots players it is kendrick Bourne who can make it happen with ball in hands it is going to be 
on the big stage. The Patriots are going into into the Ralph. Do they still play at the Ralph? Highmark Stadium. It's mean. I just know they break a lot of tables. They do. They break a lot of things. So I'm all out on needing an in and win, a Monday night miracle in and win on the Patriots. But as usual, start Allen, start Diggs. And if you need a high ceiling to bring you home on that Monday night, I agree that it, that could be Matt Breeder. Are you starting Fort Knox? No. Yeah. No, I've got no interest in him this week. The New England have been pretty good against the tight end. Kyle Douglas had a good season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nick Falk, though. Start your folks, mm. uh, as they say. In fact, this is a kickoff between Falk and Bass. Impressive. Yeah. It's what the people are coming for. Mm-hmm. These kind of folk tales. <laughs> All about that, Bass. <laughs> that is 14 <laughs> games of football that we have given you the absolute players who are going to win you and get you into the playoff this week, which leaves us with one more segment, prognostications. We still haven't got one right this year. Can you be the one to break the streak? What is your balls-out bowl prediction for this week? I got a couple because I wasn't sure exactly how hot I was allowed to be or if it had to be like Natter, you know, Brady throws 365 touchdowns this weekend. Oh, we didn't get it. Mine was kind of like a parlay. So after losing their starting tight ends, Brian Edwards and LaVisca Chenault each lead their team in receiving yards for this week. I don't mind. Uh, I mean, it's... Not hot enough? It's, it's unsexy, but it's certainly a hot... It's, it, oh, it's too logical. It's, it's unsexy, <laughs> but it's a hot take. I don't mind it. All right. Amir Abdullah doubles Hubbard's fantasy point total. Well, they're going to have exactly the same because they're on by this week as well. Well, there you go. Though I agree. Automatically lost. I 100% agree that... <laughs> That Abdullah is the back to own in that. I, I'll have you down for Edwards and Schnault lead their teams. Is it in receiving yards? Yep, that's fine. Cool. And mine is that Taysom Hill, five total touchdowns between passing, running, all of that jazz. He lights it up, five total touchdowns from the latter-day saint himself. I like it. Even harder. I mean, we've got to get one right at some point, surely. There you go. Also, this segment started off as, oh, I think Zach Wilson might be a top 12 quarterback this week. Put your house on that. <laughs> and it is now just like, I think aliens might invade. So I'm, I'm glad it's gone this way. But yep. as the season's progressed, we are definitely getting further away from genuine advice. Yep. Uh, once you once you lose your house, you start running out of things to you know, to wager. Exactly. Start betting other people's houses, <laughs> particularly if you rent. That's a that's a good strategy. Yep. I put my neighbor's house on it for sure. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of the episode. Thank you very much for joining me. I hope you enjoy listening to it back and putting it together as you do each and every week. Our superstar producer, who makes Nana and I and all the other great shows at Sleeperwire and on Thirty Two Bits, sound just tippity toppity top where can people find you and where can they employ your services at hawkier productions <laughs> but kick it around some some ideas as far as you know if it was well what i might call it and your suggestion was hawk ear because you know it's it's not something you see it's something you hear so yeah very very creative and uh too kind and i appreciate <laughs> you man uh yep I, I i i greatly enjoy diving through all these told you guys previously too there's no one that listens to it more times than me i might need to be uh, more professional in my process and expedite it but nope i slowly work through it as detailed as i can be i want you guys to shine you guys are the real talent all i do is get to put the dressing on the cake you can find me at iowa in the nfl on twitter at iowa in the nfl on sleeper 
If that's uh, something that you know suits your fancy, throw me a DM. Excellent. Well, I highly recommend you follow our man here. I highly recommend, if you aren't listening to it, tune in to Dynasty Wire. And in fact, all the shows on the fantastic Sleepaway Network. Of course, we have The Blitz, we have MailSack, we have The Great Debate, and at our sister station, I suppose you'd call them, 32-bit, we have a wealth of content over there. We're not just us, but awesome people like Michael Florio, Marcus Grant, Rumboys Robbie, Dave Kluge, just some real good people. So absolutely check Check all of them out. And it is coming up to Christmas, so I would be remiss not to plug my books. They're perfect stocking stuffers for people you like or even people you don't like. So get onto Amazon and check out yada, 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 The Little Guide to Seinfeld. That's what they said, The Little Guide to the Office. I get no commission. I make no money from it. But if you take a picture with the book and send it to me on Twitter, I will think you are a very cool guy. That's it from me. My handle, as always, is at Sheehan Solo. Follow the show at Sleepaway Show. Chuck us a buck on Patreon. Patreon, and we'll catch you next week. Maybe there'll be more natter. Maybe there won't be. Maybe the world will end between now and then. <laughs> Look after yourself. Bye. Later. Later.